Welcome back to the 123 Show with me, Noreen Mayer, this Wednesday afternoon. And I'm super, super excited to welcome back to the studio, Cruzy McCalligan. Cruz, it's great to see you. Hi, good afternoon. How are you doing? I'm very I'm good, on, thank you. I'm on this number of... <laughs> I just realised I'm not very organised. No, no. Audio, visual, technicians. I was, I was just looking at... Okay, you're on mic three, yes. Uh, you can also watch Cruise, of course, on Noreen Mayer on RTHK Radio 3 and also Cruise on Radio 3. So what have you got for our listeners okay. this week? We're talking about nests. 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 It's not a very radio-friendly word. word. Nests. nests. I'm talking about nests. And why are we talking about nests? Cruise, great question, Noreen. Um, okay, so from my office window... Um, for the last couple of weeks, there's this. I, I work in Cyberport. There's this funny like ledge in the. I'm not going to say the architecture of Cyberport is going to win many awards, but there's an interesting ledge on the building, and there's always this group of birds. And I haven't looked up what the type of bird it is, but you would know it from Hong Kong. You know, they're black and they've kind of got a little bit of yellow around their eyes. Oh, you know yeah, exactly yeah. which one I mean, but I can't think of the name of it. And it's built a nest. I'm sure it's built a nest because it kind of pops in under this ledge and I can't quite see. And I've tried zooming in on my phone to see this nest and I see it kind of bring little things and flap into this corner and there must be a nest in this little ledge. And it just, it's actually gotten to the point where I was looking up um, binoculars online to try and, <laughs> like, it's like, it would be creepy, except it's not. It's bird watching. It's bird okay. Um, they're called uh, twins. Twitches, yeah, that's yes. right. Ornithologists yes. would actually be the technical term, but twitches is oh. the yeah, that too. Oh, um, so I'm really, I'm really into it. And I think as I've gotten older, I've gotten really into birds. Have you got? I've got, like I've appreciated birds more. Um, as in, you're maybe like, not no. older. I, I think <laughs> for my 28th birthday, I had um, a bird watching party. We Did all you? Went, we all went to my po. Oh, that sounds delightful. I, I hired a coach. Oh gosh, I don't. I hope I don't sound really Oh my off. goodness! Did you really do this? Yes, it was about about 30 of us, and we packed lunches and we all went to Maipo we spent the whole day there. Gosh, it sounds like a brilliant time it, out. What me, a wonderful day out. It really was. Anyway, so you, so obviously I'm speaking <laughs> to a kindred spirit. Yes. Um, so yes, yeah, so anyway, the point is that it made me think a little bit about nests and it made me think a little bit about um, birds' nests in particular but other nests as well and just how they kind of seem this like quite secretive little sacred little space, you know, and have you ever found a bird's nest you know, that's come out of, fallen out of a no, tree? No, I or, haven't. And like when you find one and maybe not with with eggs in it because obviously that's a little bit sad if you find a bird's nest with a whole bunch of cracked eggs in it but just a little nest and there's something so special and delicate and I don't know maybe I'm getting looking into this a little bit too much but I've seen one in real life oh there's just something quite magical about a little bird's nest you know and and so I started I thought I'd talk about it today really that's how we're going with this so birds are um in many ways natural architects in the way that they build their ne- nests. The variety and complexity of their nests um, have fascinated people for a very, very long time. Um, and although the origin of nest building is kind of lost to us, we don't really know why, the, the function is obviously clear. It's to build uh, a climate-controlled incubation chamber for eggs most of the time, right? That's why most birds, well, that is why birds build nests. And it provides a protective environment until they can function, little baby birds can function on their own. Um, but it's really fascinating because um, they the types of nests they create vary enormously. Um, and they're determined by the physical and biological characteristics of the environment. So that could be temperature, humidity, the presence of competitors, predators, parasites. Some species build in, in trees and scrubs um, and shrubs, sorry, others, are, you know, in grasses or reeds like that. Um, in Hong Kong, you may have seen uh, swallows nests that they, you know, in the oh, awnings yes. of buildings as you walk down the down the street, there's a whole load of little nests up in the buildings as I well. I've seen them, yes. Yeah, so we have a lot of 
urban nests. Urban nests. Um, well, urban nest sounds like a cafe that I don't want to open. But, um, <laughs> but anyway. So it's 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 really, really fascinating. And um so I looked into some of the different types of nests that there are that are particularly interesting. Um firstly, you know the term eider down? Yeah. Eider down like an I I mean, maybe we don't know it personally. I don't have an eider down blanket no. or an eider down pillow, but eider down, um, which is traditionally in pillows and duvets traditionally comes from the nest of the eider duck um, which is a large sea duck that lives on the coast of northern europe north america and siberia and that what happens when they build their nest is the females pluck the thick down from her breast like the, her front big fluffy bit and she uses it to line her nest and then after midsummer the ducks and the ducklings head out to sea and then people obviously people humans come and collect all the fluffy down from the nests and then stuff their pillows with it because it's so delightful um and it's uh, each nest of I uh, an eider duck is filled with about 15 grams of down and it takes about 60 nests to make one kilogram of clean usable eider down so that's why eider down is quite a coveted yes. coveted um feather product um but yeah so that's quite interesting um the thermometer bird of australia also called the Mali, and I've probably said that wrong. Mali, Mali, the thermometer bird. Yeah, it keeps its nest constantly warm at 33 degrees Celsius, which actually, in many parts of Australia, is probably having to keep it cool. To be honest, uh, using its beak and its tongue as a thermometer, so it can actually get just the right, the perfect. You know that you're not actually slow cooking the yes. eggs, um, and it it builds a nest in a pit filled with leaves and twigs. And when the rain soaks the pit, the bird covers it with sand or soil. And as that, um, as all the leaves and twigs rots, the vegetation heats up like a compost heat. It actually creates heat from that breakdown. And then when the nest reaches 33 degrees exactly, she sticks a little tongue into it. She's like, that's right. Then she lays her eggs. And then the male comes along and keeps it at the same temperature. And if it's too hot, he'll, un he'll uncover the eggs a little bit, push the leaves to the side to cool them down. And when the temperature drops in the autumn and it gets a bit cooler, he'll open up, um, he'll open up the, open it up in the morning so the sunlight hits it like it's like a really involved process you know to for that kind of a nest when we think about our own nests our own homes we do it's all pretty automatic we just turn on a fan or an aircon and turn it off again um interestingly the world's biggest nests for birds um was created uh, is created in true american style by bald eagles and <laughs> so they make nests far bigger than their needs would dictate they need a nest for which is probably true of every american home i see on television <laughs> and we're all like how do they live like this it's huge it's vacuous um but american bald eagles um make enormous enormous nests and they actually hold the record for the world's biggest bird's nest which was built by a pair of bald eagles um near St. Petersburg in Florida, so not in Russia, in Florida, in the 60s. So they found this nest. It weighed two tons and measured nine feet six inches across and was six metres deep, 20 feet deep. All right, now, there's no... There wasn't a thousand eagles living in this nest they were just really ambitious they were just really after the bald bald america bald eagle dream you know that kind of idea <laughs> but yeah it often what happens is they start to they just kind of start a big sturdy nest and then they just add that they, their renovation plans get out of control and then they add a bit extra and ex, extra and everything else it must but, have been so heavy yeah though. well apparently this is the thing a lot of the time this happens with bald eagles nests they'll get too heavy and the whole thing comes crashing down yeah, um but you know too ambitious too ambitious it's too much it's too much it's know too your much. limits yeah <laughs> <laughs> interestingly, um, interestingly, if we talk about other animals who make, who have nests, 
um, you wouldn't think this on the way the other scale is gorillas. Gorillas sleep in nests. Really? Yeah. So they either build these on the ground or in trees, depending on the surrounding vegetation. And unlike birds, um, who tend to return to the same nests, gorillas, adult gorillas, create a new nest every evening, even if it's like just you know like a couple of yards away from the old one it's just to keep it fresh you know what i mean and they do it about 10 minutes it's a bit different yeah (laughs) yeah it's a bit different um uh also if we look at a completely different environment like from an airborne treetop environment to an underwater environment there are some fish including the sunfish um the perch and the bream who build nests fish build nests so what they do is they'll pick a a spot near the shore of a stream or a pond where the sun keeps the water nice and warm and then using their fins and tails they'll sweep an area clear and then scoop out a little hollow in a bed of pebbles and about you know and then they'll create that little nest shape yeah they'll do a little nest so they can do that too so the fish do a little nest um interestingly um a pretty impressive nest is a termite nest so you'll probably only ever i've only ever seen a picture of this in national geographic right oh, um you know no i've seen one have in you real seen life. one in real life yeah, in australia really? yeah wow. it's very describe it to me talk it, me through it it was just a big lump of brown muddy thing <laughs> <laughs> it was huge though i'd really? say it's about half the size of me wow yeah and well, I'm pretty, that's not even the biggest one so this is a termite nest is actually known to be the most complex animal structure that's not built by humans so they're really really complicated so the external mound can actually be more than 25 feet high. Really? Okay, mine was yeah, just so me. Th- yeah, your one was like, it was the start yeah. of something great. <laughs> and then, um, so basically... underground. Yeah, yes. so that's the thing. So the actual, the, the tall structure protects the nest from the sun. So it cr- And it also acts as a giant air conditioning unit. So all that hot air and the carbon dioxide generated by all the termites and their little termite fungus gardens, their urban gardening, um, r- that gets sucked out through the top of these tall towers. And it's like an incredible ventilation system so that they can draw in fresh oxygen. I mean, it's amazing that this tiny little creature... Millions and millions and squillions of them can They're do really that. Good designers and architects. Yeah, it's amazing. So their nest is pretty incredible. Their nest is like a real feat of engineering. Um, of course, in Hong Kong, we couldn't possibly talk about nests without talking about one of the most expensive animal products that is consumed by humans. Yes. Do you, can you think of what I'm talking about? Are we talking about a swallow? We ne- are. Yes. Yeah. So the nests of the um, the edible nest of the swiftlet are made almost entirely from hardened saliva Mm. and produce a gelatinous soup famed for aphrodisiac qualities which frankly eating the saliva of another being has very much the opposite effect on any thought i'd ever have um but these uh, but you know that's the swallow's nest i've tried it before they don't even taste of doesn't anything. Even taste no, anything you need to put like a lot of rock sugar like sriracha on it <laughs> <laughs> you need to put a lot of rock sugar yeah. and ginger and to be honest yeah. you're just drinking sugary syrup yeah with a blob of what's the point hey? saliva yeah yeah same same argument for sharks been in my opinion Ex- anyway yep, um but these um but these constructions have become one of the greatest delicacies of chinese cuisine a single kilo can sell for over six and a half thousand pounds um, and once ha- they were once harvested from caves where the birds were making the nest but now they actually farm them so they have large purpose-built concrete buildings on the coastal towns of northern Sumatra in Indonesia which I again was like whoa this isn't going where I was thinking it was going and where the birds naturally gather they make these big structures and they farm them I, I, it's, I've got some issues with it but um, but apparently uh, edible bird nest exports to Hong Kong now account for 0.5% of Indonesia's GDP 
That's huge. That's huge. There's a huge demand for there's a huge, huge demand for, for bird's nest. Yeah. Oh, and there's also, oh, this is a bit gross, but uh, there's something called hoot yin, which is a blood um, bird's nest saliva thing, and it's mi- blood mixed with their saliva. That's Great. meant to be a delicacy. Fantastic. Sorry to add no, to that. Anyway, that's cool. Yeah. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I don't need to eat one. I'll, I'll share yeah. the fact without recommending the to sampling. Exactly. Um, but yeah, so there's lots of different ways that other other animals make nests. Um, the golden-headed cysticola from Australia uses spider webs to sew a living canopy out of leaves, which is amazing. Um, and so because the bird's nest is only about 20 inches off the ground, the camouflage protects it from predators. Um, so they, they do this, they pull this sort of thread of spider webs through to hold everything together. Black kites use... Um, uh, rubbish to decorate their nests so in Europe they've adapted to humans by decorating their ne- nests with strips of white plastic and some people um, scientists think this might be to camouflage the eggs um, and suggest that or but other people, are sh- other research shows that maybe the plastic's there to show off to other black kites, like most people have a lot of trinkets they don't need in their homes and this is probably the same um, uh, interestingly um, there's a different a different completely different idea which is the sociable weavers so they create these giant haystacks in african trees so the structure looks like a huge hay bale in a tree but it's actually a hive of different nests so it's not just one little nest it's like it's like a metropolis it's a metropolis of nests Um, and it's like an apartment complex and that can house like 400 sociable weavers and i love that they're called sociable Sociable weavers weavers. they're not just weavers they're sociable weavers (laughs) okay which you have to be if you're living with 400 of them them. (laughs) um but yeah so that's really fascinating and because the structure can be used for generations a nest can get up to 100 years old it gets like passed down Aww. you know what i mean it's like it's like living heritage. it's like you know yeah it's like a real heritage thing yes which Aww. i think is amazing um on the complete other end of the um the spectrum when we talk about um nests we talked about bold in- eagles obviously um using the one of the world's biggest world's nests. biggest we couldn't not talk about the smallest which is so cute it actually hurts for me to tell you this um so hummingbird nests are so small it's easy to just mistake them for like little knots and trees in fact the smallest nest in the world is the bee hummingbird's nest which is just over an inch wide an inch and it makes its little cu- I'm going to cry saying this it's just too cute it's, it makes its cup shaped nest by weaving spider webs with feathers and leaves to make it strong and stretchy so even that tiny little inch, inch nest has got all this ingenuity going into it and then it covers the outside with li- um, lichen with you know like a little bit of mossy stuff to keep it nice and warm and then the bird lays two eggs which I've got to compose myself each are the size of a coffee bean <laughs> Oh, it's just so too cute. cute. It's actually too cute. I have to take a minute. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> moving swiftly along, um, I have a couple of I have a couple of quotes on nests that we can end on today as well. I found some nice ones. Um, the first one is from William Blake, who said, um, "The bird a nest, the spider a web." The human friendship, which is lovely. That's poetic. Beautiful way of thinking about things. Um, Leonardo da Vinci said, The human bird shall take his first flight, filling the world with amazement, all writings with his fame, and bringing eternal glory to the nest whence he... A lofty way of thinking about leaving the nest 
and empty nest syndromes, etc., etc. Um, I really like this one, which is from Gene Roddenberry, who famously created Star Trek, of which I am a huge fan. And he said, uh, Earth is the nest, the cradle, and we'll move out of it. Yeah, which is, you know, it sounds a little bit too temporary for me, but um, I like that. I like the concept. Um, Henry David Thoreau in Walden wrote... Um, of a long quote so settle in um, there is some of the same fitness in a man's building his own house that there is in a bird's building its own nest who knows but if men constructed their dwellings with their own hands and provided food for themselves and families simply and honestly enough the poetic faculty would be universally developed as birds universally sing when they are so engaged but alas we do like cowbirds and cuckoos, which lay their eggs in nests which other birds have built, and cheer no traveller with their chattering and unmusical notes. Shall we forever resign the pleasure of construction to the carpenter? And I think that's probably why nests feel so magical, because they're made so earnestly exactly. and truthfully and for such positive reasons you know a true diy whereas we spend money on a yeah. home that somebody else has built yeah it's true i mean some it's i, I couldn't make a home no. i can't staple two pieces of paper together but the point is if i could i'm sure it would be a lot more of a you know for now i'll just be a voyeur and watch the nest from my office window yeah. <laughs> well, and, and invest in a pair of good binoculars yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, Cruz, thank you so much for your sharing this week i learned so much fr fr from you all the time and i'm sure our listeners did as well if you'd like to revisit our chat uh, this afternoon you can go back onto the facebook live uh, noreen mayor on rthk radio 3 or cruise on radio 3 uh, to re-watch uh, that video on nests thank you very much indeed for no your worries. time today